Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we'll discuss broadcasting, entrepreneurship, and Melanie Span Cooper's book, The Girlfriend's Guide to Closing the Deal. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, and the Blueprint Men's Summit. He's also president of media sales at BET Networks and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Today, we're sitting down with Melanie Span Cooper to discuss her career and experiences as a pioneer of the broadcasting industry. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, and I'm welcoming you to the Waymaker Fireside Chat broadcast. And today we have the privilege of having Melanie Spann, one of the few independent media own, female media owners in the industry, black female media owners in the industry, and my good friend and the owner of the iconic WVON station here in Chicago, Illinois. Melody, welcome. Thank you so much, Lewis, and congratulations, Waymaker. I love it. Thank you. Love it. Uh, so proud to have you here uh, to be able to tell our audience about uh, not what you've been through, Melody, but what you've <laughs> come through. Yeah. Uh, here at the Waymaker Podcast, we say life is like a roller coaster. The only difference is our goal is to have people end on top, not yeah. at the bottom. Wow. Wow. Um, I love that. So, so, so exciting for you to be here today. And you have so much for us to talk about uh, from everything of your journey of uh, getting the station uh, to your education, to all the other community and civic things that you are involved in and uh, the waymakers in your life and the people you are being a waymaker for. Mm. So let's start by telling our audience, uh, where did you go to school? Where did you grow up? Uh, give us some, take us back and give us some insight on how you got here today. Oh, thank you so much. I love telling this story. You know, I'm a, I'm a Chicago blue blood, true and true. Grew up on the South side of Chicago, Lewis. Uh, I've only been out of Chicago three times for more than 30 days. And that has oh, wow. happened in my adult life, life, right? I even went away to college in Chicago. So born in a community called Englewood, always up to no good. That's what I love about <laughs> and, and still have ties there. My, my grandmother lived there until uh, she died, maybe four or five years ago in the house oh, wow. I was born in, right? And then moved to the Auburn-Gresham district where my parents still reside. Uh, went to Catholic school all of my life, K through eighth, high school, and even went to a Catholic college, Loyola University. Um, and I, I tell people that's why I don't, I guess, have a great fondness for clothes because I was in uniform all of my life, right? Um, but Chicago is- so, so was your family Catholic? That's why you went no, to Chicago? No, no. My, my parents came from Itabina, Mississippi. And, uh, and uh, you know, I always tell people my dad went from being a sharecropper to becoming a shareholder. That That is how robust and, and fruitful Chicago uh, has been for Black people, right? Um, because when he landed here, uh, he drove a cab. He worked for the steel mill. He, uh, he owned um, a TV repair shop before he landed on radio. And- okay and provided a, such an incredible 
life for us, Lewis, you know, and you think about those years, you know, and how fast they went from him coming from Mississippi to Chicago and really making a, a, a huge splash, you know, in Chicago where grass was so fertile for so many black people and for my family. And um, when I was born, uh, my dad was a big disc jockey in Chicago, Curtis Stan, the blues man, right? On the station he would go on to own, WBON. And, uh, and so you don't realize it when you're young, but um, you know, he was a celebrity. And so I just remember when I was young, everywhere we went, you know, oh, that's Purvis Gann's family, you know? So uh, it provided us, you know, such fertile soil to really um, do something great. And and always at the basis of of his belief and what the station has stood for has always been community, right? Which is why I love it so much and will never leave my city, never leave Chicago. Even with its black eyes, it's still the most bountiful and beautiful city, I think, for our people. So, so tell us about your college experience. When you were in college, had you planned to go into radio? You know, what, what was your dream when, when you were in college? What, you, what did you want to be when you so grew I, up? I always tell my dear friend, Cheryl Burton, she's got my job and my paycheck. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to be a journalist. And my dad... Um, you know, one of the things they really drove was education. And so I had to go to college. And one of the things uh, that he felt that he needed in order for it to be a continuum for his businesses was a lawyer. So he wanted me to be a lawyer. And I did not want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a journalist. And he was like, I'm not paying for that. I'm just not going to pay for that. And so I went to college, Lewis, and I started in the business school. And I'll never forget this. My sophomore year, I'm sitting in these classes, econ and and statistics and all these classes that I had no attraction to. I, I it just I'm not built for math and things like that, right? And uh, sitting in the class one day, and the teacher said uh, he had to grade some uh, tests on the bell curve. He said, "And two of you all are so dumb. One of you got a 16, and the other one got an 18." And so I didn't get the 16. <laughs> <laughs> But I immediately got up and I went and I changed my um, major. And then I I went into criminal justice because I would at least give my father an indication that I could become a lawyer, but I really had no intention. So I ended up with a degree that I have done absolutely nothing with. So when I read that, Melody, I said, I didn't know she wanted to be a lawyer or maybe she wanted to be. CPD, Chicago oh, Police. I know. I just wanted to get the hell out of Loyola. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, 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 you know, you, you had an iconic father. And uh, what type of impact did that have on you as a child, uh, especially uh, in a city like Chicago, yeah. to, you know, have a father that everybody knew uh, Purvis Band, the blues man. All right, everybody knew he had, he he had a a title to his name. Yeah. Uh, what type of impact did that have on you and your journey towards, let's say, entrepreneurship? You know, um, I I think entrepreneurship is uh, a gene. It's a gene. Okay. I have three other brothers and sisters. Um, and my dad, my brother, is actually older than I am, and he wanted so much for him to do what I'm doing, 
you know, my dad came from the South. And so, you know, his boy, his, 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 his son, you know, his, his seed uh, was who he probably would have preferred this for. And we battled about that. But, you know, um, what I love about my dad was um, uh, while he wanted so much for us, I mean, and he, he, he dreamed so big, Lewis. He dreamed so big. I've never seen a man who just, he, he saw no stars, you know, no moon. And, um, um, and I'm just realizing. Sounds like he was a, a vision maker. He was, he was, he, that's who he was. But he also taught us how to treat people, which became uh, so important, you know, because, uh, because of his status and because of what he was doing. And, you know, we had great schooling and all, but he would always tell us, I want you to treat the prisoner as well as you do the president, which is why to this day, none of, uh, none of us in our family, you know, we don't meet strangers. We find such value in the human spirit. And because of that, Lewis, even in the business that I am, the one reason I know I've been able to continue my father's legacy is because I've been able to build great, genuine relationships. And they're not phony, they're real relationships. Um, and I think about Vernon Jordan dying, he talks so much about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and building them. And so I think what my dad did was just, you know, put us in the middle of an ecosystem uh, that if you do it right um, and you honor people um, and you keep the commitment to, to what he built, that we'd be okay. And that is just what has happened for, for us. So let's talk about the business. How's the business going right now? And how's everything as, as we turn this corner on COVID-19 and we're still in this environment of uh, social uh, injustice? How's everything going? Lewis, and, and you kind of taught me some of this. Um, I was wondering last year when we were in the middle of the pandemic, how do I explain that my business is going well? How in the middle of when people are, you know, struggling and trying to figure it out, how do I say it's going well? And, and it's simple to say it. I'm doing good, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> My business is going well. It's going well. And I'm going to tell you why. It may be a shift that happened in me. Because in 2008 and 2009, when that last recession slash depression happened, um, it took me out. It really, it really took me out. Um, and it taught me, um, that if I could get through that, I could get through anything and I got through it. I don't know how I got through it. I got through it with scrapes and bruises. Uh, but when I got through it, Lewis, I looked back on it and said, wow, I'm so glad I went through that. So glad I went through that. So when this one came along, I was ahead of the game. I knew that when, you know, it was time to shut the city down, I just started furloughing people. Um, and that's not a good thing to say. But when I when I kept them through the recession last time, uh, it, it didn't work out well. If you pay late, it's all over the street. You're bad. Not understanding that you're just trying to hold them together and keep a job for them. So I learned so much about being in business. Right. Um, and. So that is uh, why I think one of the reasons I turned that curve very early. I took advantage of the PPP and other opportunities that were there for people, right? And then I started delivering content to reach Black people 
which was so needed in this COVID. And I got away from just selling in a traditional sense and really helping people understanding the value of content and building a relationship and talking to the black community. And so that is uh, how I ended up coming out of that and just selling, just making a couple of tweaks to my business, you know, and to my P&Ls and, and being smart about what this community needed right now, what this community needed right now. And it has, um, it has, uh, and I'm happy. And I added something else to our, our assets. I added an OTT digital platform, which people were like, well, why would she do that if she's in radio? You know, why would she add something digital? Um, and so I'm thinking my audience is transferable. Those that love radio, when you listen, you can't listen to radio and watch TV at the same time, right? Um, so this audience, my radio audience, who, I'm, who I love, has just helped me parlay that, you know, uh, and uh, I'm doing well there. I'm starting to see some, so, you know, some real gains in that space. So, uh, you know, not being one dimensional, being open to opportunities, using that word absolutely, even when it ain't absolute. But if the opportunity is there just to see if I can make something out of it. You talk a lot about vision. I've heard you say that. I'll never forget. First time I, I heard you speak, you talked about visionaries and paradigm builders. And I put it in the book because you taught me that. And so when you get very clear around that, and I've been doing that, I've been hiring up, hiring mm -hmm. some people with some that are paradigm builders who see the vision and it's willing to help me carry it out. So, so you talked about content. Yes. Uh, you primarily run a talk format. Yes. Uh, the last, I hate to say, four years yeah. has given people a lot of talk about how have you sort of positioned the station and yourself to take advantage of that? Because everything is about timing. Yeah. And uh, so how has the last four years been for your overall format and for your listeners? So watch this, Louis. Um the call letters at our flagship station, WVON, stand for the voice of the Negro, right? And um, my dad would always say, you know, just stay true to, to the mission, to what it's, it's all in the call letters, right? So we've never changed that. So now when, for instance, just like last year when George Floyd, you know, when this happened and so much attention, I'm already there. You know, like I, I, I am, I am, I've mastered this, that which has come in style, right? And you've been there, you know what that's like, right? So I'm already ahead of the curve. You almost become like this authoritative figure on it. They wanna know, hey, come teach me about this. Tell me about this, right? Um, so what I've been able to do is, I, I, I think uh, opportunity just made, met preparation. I've, I'm there, we're ready, right? Um, and now people are saying, hey, hmm, you know, they, all, this, all these things they've been telling us, it's true. You know, black people are trending in what is culture in America. Mm, what is the secret sauce? You know, why is it that you you think, how can we reach people, black people in a dynamic way? And you know this, we're the masters of that. And so I've been prepared for it. I think that's the other reason that the company is turning the corner. Um, and, and you know something else I'm doing, Louis? I, a few people know this, but I have a, a Latino station that's uh, a radio station here in Chicago. 
and they are, you know, they're growing, they're just thriving. And what I want to build for them is something that is similar to what we have at VON for their community and let them build that. You know, I don't understand the whole cultural piece, but I want them to build that, you know? And, um, and so I feel uh, very um, honored by what I'm able to deliver for their community. And it's really starting to resonate and make a difference. And it's, it's part of our growth. So let's, let's, let's talk about personal things with you. All right. Okay. So, uh, the year of the woman, yeah. uh, we've got a black female VP first time ever. Uh, we've got a black female mayor, Lori Lightfoot. We've got a black Lieutenant female governor. How does that make you feel and how does that inspire you and uh, how does that help your vision as you look forward? Yeah, I love that question. And now you got a black woman as head of the Democratic Party in Illinois. I mean, yeah. think about this. This is this is amazing what's happening. Um, prior to writing the book that I wrote, Lewis, uh, I was going to write a book called Invisible. That's mm -hmm. where it started. Uh, because... Um, this yearning in me to see women, especially black women, have equity uh, didn't just start with Me Too. It didn't just start with, uh, I, I remember, and I, I wrote about this in the book, when my dad made me president of the company uh, at 30, you know, how he kind of laughed like, yeah, I, the only thing you're going to have to do is what I tell you to do, right? And that kind of stayed with me in our industry, in the broadcast industry. I can't tell you how many tables I sit to at. And so often I'm the only black and I'm the only female, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think uh, it is, it makes me proud to see it, right? And I just want women to be able to step into it, uh, not leading with their gender, mm -hmm. just leading with their intelligence and what they have to bring, right? Um, let everybody else around the table deal with the gender piece. You just show up in who you are and what you have. Um, um, and, and, and let that be, you talk about a secret story. Remember how you talk about a secret story? Um, um, my, my, my gender, me sitting here on the panel with you, and we talk about, you know, women and I'm, I'm very proud of it, but it's a conversation to me that is old. It's been women since the beginning of time, right? Um, I think I have so much more to offer. Um, and, and I think my, me being a woman is just the icing on the cake. Um, so I'm glad to see Kamala. I think that's powerful. Um, the space Michelle Obama occupies without holding a position, you know, mm -hmm. Um, and so many other uh, women that are just doing dynamic things. It's our time because for so long, I think we've been just invisible and not seen. And it's really shocking to a lot of people because they, they're really trying to figure out now, now what do we do with it? And I'm saying everybody at ease, at ease. You don't need to do anything with it. Just respect it and let it be a, a flow into into society into the corporate boardrooms and to you know into community let's not make a big deal of it let's just honor it let's just so, honor so, it. so do you think people are making a big deal of it no because just like everything in life there's a season yeah 
and 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 the windows open, and they're trying to get as many people through the window <laughs> as they possibly can yeah. during this season. And I think the other thing is because they've been women forever, but they haven't had the opportunity. Yeah, they're trying to say, can we play catch up? Can we play catch up right now? Yeah, and, and, and that's the so next thing is. Isn't that disingenuous, right. though, Lewis? You know, well, we have to take it. It may be disingenuous us. for the yeah. people who had the power, yeah. but I think it's real for the people who didn't <laughs> have the power. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. And, and I don't. And want I think to... also mm -hmm. there are a lot of young girls that look yeah. like you that yeah. they're saying we've got to give them hope and energy and educate them quickly. While the window's still open, yeah, you know. So if, if we go back and, and use uh, uh, the Underground Railroad, it's sort of like, come on, come on, come on, hurry, 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 <laughs> hurry, 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 get through right. here. Right. And I think they look at people like you, who they know who've had a struggle, yeah, in some form or fashion, as that sort of Harriet Tubman, help me get through, yeah, help me get through. So I think that's what you may hear and feel from people who are basically saying, what are we going to do now while the window is open? Because we know, we already see signs that they want that window to close, yeah. all right? Uh, yeah. I mean, those rollback of those abortion rights in some of those Southern states, I don't think you and I could have imagined that conversation would be happening in 2021 and in 2020 like it did, yeah. but it happened. Yeah. So I think that's what you're feeling and what you're seeing from a lot of uh, women in the country today. You are so right. You are 110% right. But you know, Lewis, I, I, I am that vision person. And when you talked about that window being open, I am more concerned with it's, I don't see the window closing. You know, that, that is, is, it's like what Harriet Tubman was like, come on, come on, come on, right? Come on, like, because we have this, we may go back. I don't think about that back. I think that that window gets knocked out. I think that it, it becomes so powerful, the force of it, that you cannot hold all of this talent. You cannot hold all of this intelligence. And the world moves better. Goldman Sachs, I don't know if you saw it this week, just pledged $10 billion for black women. They said black women. And at first I thought, Lewis, I thought they said business. They didn't say business. They said housing and all of those resources that are very fundamental to our lifestyles, right? But they didn't do it because they're so benevolent. Of course, that's a good way to do it. But the CEO said that when black women meet, reach some point of equity, they will deliver $400 million, right, to this economy. Uh, on an annual basis, just by raising the bar for this so underserved, neglected part of, of our society. And so people see the promise. They, while, while it's the right thing to do, they also see the power. And, and we become the kind of the sleeping giants in this Black women do. You think about the Black vote, Black women voting in the way that they do, right? And so if I could, if we could keep our sisters woke, right? 
And people can keep on talking about all of these wonderful things that are happening to us. But it's somebody down here agitating and waking them up and moving them, you know, the Stacey Abrams of the world. Um, in my limited space, what I can do here in Chicago, come on, wake up, sleeping giant. Um, then then the, the, we're everywhere and, and, and we've reached our full potential of what we can become in this country um, that really can't, can't survive without us. It really can't. We're, we're, that, we're that heartbeat. We're just everything that happens requires that we participate in it. Everything, um, which is why there's so much focus on us. It's the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do. So you just told our audience, don't worry about that window being open because uh, you're going to break it out. So, <laughs> so We're going to break it out. We're so so we're we looking for you to throw the first rock, all right? <laughs> so let, let, let's talk about the book right now. Number one, uh, you and I have talked about writing a book. I wrote a book. You wrote a book. Yes, you did. Uh, let's talk about why you wanted to do it and what the process sort of taught you about yourself, not about writing the book. Yeah. What the process taught you about yourself? Because anybody who writes a book, um, they, 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 they learn about themselves. I saw Katie Couric, I think it was last night or the night before, uh, who just wrote a book. And, and, and she started talking about and start crying. And she said, because I learned so much yeah. about myself. So why and what did you learn? Mm, thank you for that question. I wrote the book, Lewis, because I... Um, I realized that um, my um, experience was unique, somewhat, um, in the industry. Um, and had I been the woman that I was when I wrote the book a little earlier in this experience, um, if I had found my voice, if I'd been a little more secure, if I had showed up in who I really was, but I was afraid to, intimidated by it, that I would be so much further. I just felt that way, right? Um, and so I wrote it for other young women, other young women who uh, find themselves in you know, corporate America and want to grow and, and uh, want to seize the opportunity. It's a book about soft skills. Your soft skills are everything. You know, I think you can learn hard skills, but the soft skills of understanding the dynamic. So, so how did you come to the, how did you come to name the book? Uh, the Girlfriend's Guide to Closing the Deal. OK, so I did this speech. Right. Lewis. And I'd never done a speech in front of a room full of white women. And they called and asked me to do this speech for NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. And um, at first, I thought they were calling Melody Hobson. They were like, no, we want you. I said, OK. And uh, Hillary Clinton had just lost the election. And so I was full. You know, I had a lot to say. And I was wondering, how am I going to go in this room full of a thousand white women? And what was the commonality? You know, what was the connection? And so I had to get into melody mode. So, you know, girlfriend, you know, it relaxed me. And then I just told this story. I picked out 10 points which interestingly enough are in the book, but not prominent in the book, which is interesting. Talking about books and reality, right? And how they mailed. But Lewis, in this room, I talked for 40 minutes delivering this speech, maybe 50 minutes, and you could hear a pin drop. 
And these women were so enthralled. You know how in the cat in the in the in the black church we say amen. The, the white women were like, mm, because when I touched the nerve, they were like, mm, right? And so afterwards, these women stood in line almost two hours just talking to me. Hey, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. And that's how the book was born. Um, uh, because I realized, Lewis, they were feeling that way too. They were feeling that way too. And so uh, I knew I had touched a nerve and I put my book that I was going to write first and then second. And I made it the next book potentially. And we need to talk about that. You going to write another book, Lewis? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I, and so I wanted to deliver this book for young women. I did. And uh, what I found out about it after I look back on it, it took me two years to write this book because I was working in writing a book. And um, what I learned is that, oh my God, I put a lot into it. I put a lot into it. Didn't you feel like that when you finished? Uh, 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 it was hard. Oh. It was real hard. One of the hardest things yeah. I've ever done. Mm -hmm. But it also made me, through the process, yeah. look at myself. Yeah. And, and challenge some of the beliefs that I said I had. Do I really believe that? You know, mm. is that really true to me and who I am? So, And I think that's the emotional part of it. Did, did it work like that for you? Oh, my God, you're so right. I even find myself now saying, I got to live my book. I got to live my book. So I'm, I'm every day intentionally. The thing, you know, what I shared with the world, I'm putting in practice. And reminding myself, being intentional about it. Because you want to live up to that bar that you that you set. But it's really your life. You know, yeah. you a lot what you put in your book, your dynamic book, was who Lewis is, which made you the success that you are today. And I was proud afterwards. I was like, is am I talking about me? You know what I mean? So it was uh, fulfilling that way. But what I realized, because then, you know, the pandemic hit and you're really not able to push these things. And I had to settle in that because I was so ready to go out and really push this book. And what I, I came to realize is that this book is evergreen for me, Lewis. It doesn't have an expiration date. It doesn't, right? It will follow me and I will be able to speak from it and mm -hmm. it, you know, for forever. And I, and I hope women do too. You don't, you don't need to hear from me to, to take this book in because it's the girlfriend's guide. So whether I'm there or not, you know, it, it, it lives with you. And uh, I just, you know what, the biggest joy for me, and I want, I want to know what your experience is, is when people say, oh my God, Melody, I couldn't put it down. Oh, I loved your book. Oh, I learned so much. That's so, you know, that, that's what means the most to me, I think. Impacting anyone's life with information and storytelling is always very, very emotional. So I, I've experienced the, 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 the same thing. Yeah. So uh, let me get down to some of the, this real meat uh, okay. of, of the podcast. Waymaker is to motivate, educate, and inspire people to be their best self and live their best life. Yeah. Who are some of those people Mm. who did that for you? Who are some of your waymakers? Mm. You know, you get them throughout your life. You get if them you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah, if you're, you're lucky. right. You're right. 
You and if you recognize that melody, some That's people never recognize that. Because I've asked this question to some people and they said, let me think. And I'm looking at their list of successes and like, yeah. it's got to be a ton of people. Yeah. yeah. Lewis, you're right. Recognizing them. Because God puts these people in our lives. Can you That's see? That's Can correct. You see so it, it ain't accidental. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's God moving in the background and, and sending yeah. different people to you yeah. and giving you advice and doing yeah. things for you. So it yeah. ain't just like luck. Yeah. It's Let, That's it's it. Blessed. So, so, so because we're, we're talking somewhat about business, but about us as individuals, I think the person who I want to illuminate today on this podcast with you is a, a gentleman named Moselle Barnes. And you may never have heard of Moselle Barnes, but he is a, a man about 80, 85, 90 years old. He's a millionaire who lives on the south side of Chicago. You ever read that book, The Millionaire the Next Door? And people don't believe me when I talk about Moselle Barnes. I call him Mr. B in my book. But uh, he uh, was, came from Mississippi. He was a friend of my dad. Uh, he worked. Uh, and at 18, he bought his first house on the west side of Chicago, Lewis. Then he went on to buy hotels and buildings and just built an enormous amount of wealth and got part of a cable deal in Chicago. This man, uh, he's like the Pied Piper, really. And what he did was he loaned money when you couldn't get it the, the normal way. Every business deal I've done, when I needed a quick help, when I talked about me buying my stock in my book and going to the bank and the bank was closed and when he got there late and walked up and I was in tears, I said, oh, Mr. Barnes, the bank is closed. He said, it's not closed for me. <laughs> and he literally went in there and everybody was Mr. Barnes, Mr. Barnes, you know. I remember one time I, I bought a piece of property and um, went to try to get the mortgage on it. The last minute they pulled the mortgage. And I had to call him, Lewis, and he showed up at the closing um, with a check and purchased this property. And I was able to sell that property the next year for over a million dollars, right? Waymaker, waymaker, right? Um, and I think about who he was in my life. And that's just one example. You know, I, I can think about um, people who just could feel my energy if I call Dr. Carol Adams and she'll say, what, what's going on? I feel something in your spirit. Waymaker to help us think it out. It's those people around us who, who look at somebody like Lewis Carr or, or even me and say, you know what, they really got it going on. But when we feel vulnerable, when we don't understand it or can't figure it out, who's that person to help you pull through? Uh, I, 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 it's too many to name, but I always wanted to talk about Moselle Barnes because he was—he can barely speak English how the way you can understand it. So in most circles of Chicago, he probably wouldn't even be respected, come in a room and wouldn't even be noticed. But where would I be in terms of business oftentimes without, without his counsel and without him being there? And so uh, I, I, I wanted to just say his name, wanted to say his name today as we talked about that. And Melody, that experience with Moselle, yeah. what has it inspired you to do for others? Um, to support them, to be there for them, 
I wish I had the wealth that he has, but the limited, what I have, I'm willing to share my counsel. When I can, he, he, he's taught me the importance of supporting other young, uh, dynamic uh, young folks. He knew I needed help, you know. He could, have, he could have done this for anybody, but he chose me, right? And so oftentimes, Lewis, people come to us and, you know, because you know so many people, but it's important that we sit down and we honor, honor their requests. Listen, see who we connect them with. We can connect them with that will make a difference in their lives because somebody made a difference for us, right? And so that's what we owe in the universe. We don't get to, to, to add and not multiply, right? We don't get to add and not divide. And so um, he taught me that. He taught, he taught me so much of that. And you know what else he taught me, Louis, is that sometimes it's okay. I can't tell you how many stories he's told me of people who have borrowed money from him who never paid him back, never paid him back, right? He never stopped lending. And because of it, it just seems like he just got richer and richer and richer, Louis, right? Um, and so the gift of giving, the gift of giving uh, is so powerful. He taught me that. And here's a man that never went... I probably graduated from high school. Uh, and it's so dynamic. Let me ask you this question, Melody. A lot of young people come up to me and say, you know, uh, will you be my mentor? And I always tell them, you can't choose a mentor. The mentor chooses the mentee. Yeah. And the next question they ask is, well, how does a mentee get chosen? <laughs> what would you tell young people to what is their character, their behavior for people to choose you? What does that look like? Because Moselle, is, he chose you. Yeah. Right? He, yeah. he chose, he didn't have to. That's you know, right. That, that he could have he he, chose Mary or he, yeah. he could have chose, uh, you know, Evelyn. He yeah. chose you. What is the way you show up? What is the character mm. that people see and for them to say, you're the one. Um, integrity. integrity. Integrity is everything. And let me tell you something, Lewis. People come to us, and you're right. They say, I want, I want you to mentor me. As if, we don't, as if we don't see them. As if we don't see them. These young women who I admire now, uh, it, it, looking at it from a, almost a reverse internship. I heard, I heard Melody say that, uh, not this Melody, Melody Hobson. And, and, and revert, what we're learning from young people now, especially in the age of technology and digital, right? Um, they look at a Lewis Carr, and when you walk in a room, everybody's, wow, there's Lewis Carr, as if you don't see a star. See, you lived enough life now to understand, to know a star, a potential of a person who's just, you know, it, they just got it. And, uh, and, and so if you sit back and watch, you'll see people who just gravitates towards, you know, game recognizes game, right? And so you right. see people with real potential. And there's so many young dynamic women right now. I've asked my girlfriends to, you know what, this month on social media, stop talking about what you got on and your clothes and your hair. Let's talk about some of these young dynamic women who are doing just knocking it out the ballpark right now for us, right? Uh, and I see them. 
And and they look at me and they are like, you know, oh my God, I, I, I admire so much what you're doing. You know, can I call you? Absolutely. Because I'm going to be calling you, you know? So it becomes important that we keep our skills. It doesn't matter who teaches us, right? We ain't never too old to learn, right? And you are never too young to teach. That That's powerful, you know? And oh, mm-hmm. Melody, what I tell them, and, and and I think this is why you've had so much success, is to show up being coachable. Hmm. Because we all have things to learn. And, you know, when when people show up and they know everything, then I'm like, well, why do you need a mentor? You already know everything. I can't teach you nothing. And so many of them think they do, don't (laughs) So you have to be coachable. Yeah. And what comes along with being coachable is being curious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So true. So, and look, you know, you, you've taught me so much. I don't think there's a speech. I don't think there is, um, I mean, you, and without you even trying, that's what I'm saying. It's integrity. It's integrity. You, you just show up. And for me, I'm never going to be in a room with you or even on a platform like this and not learn, something. not learn something, you know? Um, and so I just think there are certain people who just touch your soul like that you know, who you just gravitate towards. Um, and and you've really, I, I, there's not an instance where I haven't learned something from you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so Melody, as we close, I, I'm, I'm going to test your creativity and your Uh-oh. curiosity. All right. Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. You have a dinner and you can only choose three people. And these names can come from those who have left this world and those who are still here. Mm. Who are the three people that Melody Spann would want to be at that dinner? And nobody is off limits. (laughs) Jesus. One. (laughs) One. That's a good one, too. (laughs) Jesus. I want Jesus at that dinner. I want Martin Luther King at that dinner. Okay. Got one more. I want my uh, best friend who died, Carolyn Adams, at the dinner. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And tell us what each one does for you and what they bring to that dinner. So, um, Jesus uh, helps me understand, you know, I have great faith, but I want to. I want to know what he was thinking. I want to know what he was thinking, right? Um, um, I, and what he thinks about us. I want to know that. Martin Luther King, who I've just, um, I've learned to have so much. The older I get, the more appreciation I have of Dr. King because I'm becoming a real historian around who he was at 39, dead, but with so much wisdom. Uh, Lewis, they said uh, at his autopsy, he had, his heart was 80 years old. Imagine that. I want to know what that walk was like, right? Um, and my girlfriend, Carolyn, because I think she, uh, she keeps it light, you know, and she's just as inquisitive and curious as I am. But we're laughing, so it's not, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not all serious. It's just me and her kicking back and just you know, enjoying 
uh, this experience with these men of wisdom um, that are so powerful and saying, girl, can you believe that? <laughs> so I think that is, uh, I think that would be immediately, I wish I could put more people at that table, but since I can't, those are, those are my three. <laughs> uh, uh, Melody, th th this has been great. Uh, I appreciate the time. Tell people how they can get in touch with you yes. and how they can engage in uh, your media properties. Well, thank you so much, Louis. Um, so uh, we're at, uh, you can check out what, what we do at midwaybroadcasting.com. Everything is there. Uh, and then uh, I'm on Facebook at Melody Span Cooper. Um, and I understand that I'm on Instagram at the same place and Twitter. I don't know all these handles, forgive me, people, right? <laughs> uh, and then the book, The Girlfriend Guide, The Clothes and the Deal, you can get it everywhere, Amazon, wherever. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I enjoy the, the, the human spirit. Louis, thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I asked Crystal when we came on, I said, am I interviewing Louis today or is he interviewing me? <laughs> because I'm always, uh, I'm always uh, just so willing to just be in your presence. And like I said, I learned so much from you. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for showing everybody that even at the height of your career, you can pivot and do different things and explore and be bold and start new things, right? So uh, it's inspiring. It really is. And so, you know, thank you for, for what you've done for me uh, and how you continue to mentor me. You, you really do. And I, and I, and I appreciate you so much. This is you. I don't know if there's anything that you could ask me to do that I wouldn't, because I know you wouldn't ask me something that I don't have no business doing. So know that, okay? <laughs> so God bless you, and thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. And this has been uh, Waymaker Fireside Chat with the Waymaker, Melody Spray. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Melody Span Cooper. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Connect with Melody by going to midwaybroadcasting.com. And don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode. 